Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, March 12, 2009. Seasons of change have recently offered a greater connection to the light, especially here on the Pacific Coast in California. The opportunity to change for the better exists in each and every moment. Begin today to seek fulfillment to co-create your moment-to-moment experience. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I'm a metaphysician, clairvoyant, and clairaudient intuitive, writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolution.com revolutionradio.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Barbara Marks Hubbard, a pioneer in evolutionary education and innovation. As founder of the Foundation for Conscious Evolution, author, speaker, citizen diplomat, and social architect, She has inspired and consulted with major organizations and high-level thinkers throughout the world. In 1984, her name was placed in nomination for the Vice Presidency of the United States on the Democratic ticket. She proposed an office for the future and a peace room to be as sophisticated as a war room to scan for, map, connect, and communicate what is working in America and around the world. In that same vein, she recently formed a design team to serve as a hub for communication and connectivity, consulting with people and important initiatives that are applying her processes of social synergy to activities which have the potential of affecting the direction of the world's social evolution. These activities include a major global solutions conference to be held in Washington, D.C. this year. She is currently producing a documentary series entitled Humanity Ascending, A New Way Through Together. The first movie in the series, Our Story, is being shown throughout the world and has subtitles in seven languages. The next movie in the exciting series is Visions of a Universal Humanity. She is establishing the Barbara Marks Hubbard Chair in Conscious Evolution for Wisdom University and developing a meta-syllabus in Conscious Evolution as a framework for supporting evolutionary leadership and social connectivity. Her educational program, Gateway to Conscious Evolution, a guided evolutionary curriculum, is engaging thousands of people worldwide. Barbara is a founding member of many progressive organizations, including the World Future Society, Committee for the Future in Washington, D.C., Foundation for the Future, Women of Vision in Action, New Dimensions Radio, and the Association for Global New Thought. A Bryn Mawr graduate with a B.A. cum laude in political science, Buckminster, Fuller said of her, there is no doubt in my mind that Barbara Marks Hubbard, who helped introduce the concept of futurism to society, is the best informed human now alive regarding futurism and the foresight it has produced. During the next hour, Barbara and I will be discussing her revolutionary teachings from her powerful DVD, Humanity Ascending, A New Way Through Together, and two of her well-known leading books on evolution and consciousness, Conscious Evolution and Emergence. Welcome, Barbara. It's a great honor to have you reappear on Evolution Revolution this early spring. Thank you, Dulcinea. Thank you very much. 
Yes, it's great to have you back with some some normal circumstances this evening. (laughs) (laughs) So your lifelong quest for revolutionary leadership and conscious evolution for humanity has been a path less traveled. What has given you the courage and strength to persevere to awaken others to the truth of who they are? Well, that's a, a really interesting cur- a question. You know, the root of the word courage is cur or heart. And it seems to me when any one of us uh, gets awakened by some kind of deep passion, in, in my sense, it, it was a question, what is the meaning of all this new power that is good? And it was like a vocation of destiny. A vocation is a calling from within you. And it feels like the universal process of creation localized as your calling and everybody else's calling is unique. And if you ever get a feeling of a deep calling like that, that seems to be activating your own creativity and potential and that gives you joy in the expression of it and that leads you to those who attract you to join with them, you start getting a pleasure or even a joy in the work. And the work becomes self-rewarding. And you get more rewarded as you do more of it. So it's not so much just courage to do something as it is a passionate, uh, creative urge that expresses itself through you, that gives you joy and pleasure. Now, there is challenge. There is difficulty. I've faced many of them in my life. However, the passion and the joy is greater than the challenge that would stop you. That is a fantastic answer. I was reading a quote earlier today that led me to this question, and the quote goes, A hero is no braver than an ordinary man but he is braver five minutes longer. And that was said by Ralph Waldo Emerson. <laughs> uh-huh. it's, it's, it's braver, and I think the great gift that I, I feel is the greatest gift I was ever given was by an internal motivation to explore, to evolve, that when I did it, when I do it even now, like on this phone call, I feel connected to the process of creation. I feel like the universe itself within me evolving. I feel like talking to you, Dulcinea, because you're obviously motivated like this and thinking of all the people who are out there listening. They are motivated or they wouldn't be listening. And I can feel it as part of a living system. And yes. person's uniqueness is, is not just a separate uniqueness like an organ or a cell in the body. And this body that we're in, the planetary body, is itself beginning to awaken as a whole. So it's extremely exciting. I'm 80 years old. And you would think that I might be retired after, you know, 50 years almost. But, you know, it's stronger. Because this motivation internally is not anything to do with age. Your body may be getting older and dying. But that spirit in you is growing. And it's really interesting because I think it will lead to longevity. 
Absolutely. Yes, that's so right. And I mean, you're still going. You are producing a new series after 80 years of your dedication, and I see you thriving. Well, it's it is, and I think that this energy, particularly in in the woman and the postmenopausal woman, as she's 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and counting, that that energy that was possible for her to to get pregnant and to create a child and give birth and nurse and nurture that child is now activated within her and within me to nurture and give birth to that authentic creative self. This is true of men too, but there's something in the woman's bio-psycho reality when she falls in love with a vocation, it's like a child. Yes, and it really makes sense that that spark of creativity is enhanced in the woman because we have the creative potential to create life. You do, and since we've hit a limit to population growth, one Mm. more doubling and we would kill all the children, the urge to self-reproduce and to nurture the child is expanding in the urge to self-express and nurture the world. That is so true for me personally. It's like I just said this today. You know, I love children. I'm great with children, but I don't desire to have children. I'm, you know, in my mid-prime of what they would call wanting children. And truthfully, I tell everybody that the world's children are my children, and they just look at me with a funny expression. (laughs) How how old are you, Dulcinea? I'm 31. Well, you see, that is so interesting because when I was 31, I had five children. Wow. Now you can imagine the energy it takes to have five children. Yes, amazing. When I was just your age, I fell into a depression because it was clear to me that there was something more within me. And at that time, in the late 60s, early, late 50s, early 60s, it was considered neurotic for a woman (laughs) with children think there was something missing and there should be something more. And I had to break through a cultural imprint in, through Maslow, Abraham Maslow. Oh, and yes. Buckminster Fuller and Teilhard de Chardin to realize that in myself as a, as a woman, this desire for more life, more connectivity was not neurotic, was actually normal, natural. But at that time, it's really interesting how much we've evolved since the early 60s, both the women and the blacks. It's truly remarkable. Yes, and that really supports the premise that you brought through in both of your books. Um, I initially read Conscious Evolution first, and that actually struck me in, um, in my college years. And I thought the the goal of the book, the message you bring forth, is that action for the current generation is really to fulfill its creative potential. And it came to me at a time when I was looking at college and saying, this is amazing. I've done this, that, and this, and that. I've checklisted everything. But I think there's more. And I went from a social psychology biology major, and I went and found your book. Well, that is so interesting, Dulcinea. It's just amazing, the the generational synchronicity here. <laughs> yes, and, and you know, when I went to Bryn Mawr College, and so when I, it was 1947, 48, 49 in there, and I was a woman very much like you, 
And I had this deep question of what's my purpose? Where am I going? Where is humanity going? And there was absolutely no way to ask the question in the academic world. And I went back 50 years later to to speak to, the, to Bryn Mawr, and you know what? It's the same situation. Although they have certain courses and environments, and they don't have a context because the academic world is divided into separate disciplines. And to have a context of the conscious evolution of humanity coming from cosmogenesis and billions of years of evolution is not a field. Not yet. Not yet. So part of my work when you said about leadership is to help establish the field of the conscious evolution of humanity, self-social and scientific technological, and that there are lots of people doing it, but there's no coherence yet. Yes, and you're definitely a pioneer in that. And interestingly, I was working under a researcher in the social psychology realm when I found your book, and I took it right to him. We were doing, um, actually, it was environmental psychology, and so it was ecology, people's behaviors, and normative patterns. So it really fit what you were writing about, but you took it to a conscious level, and yeah. we were looking more at the research level. And he, he said to me, you know, I really think I'm going to read this book. He goes, I think you're teaching me as much as I'm teaching you. Oh. It was very humbling to to see him embrace that idea. But where did you go to college? Um, I actually attended um, UCSD in La Jolla here in San Diego, and I actually ended up graduating working with this gentleman at Cal State University San Marcos, which is also in San Diego. I see. Well, good for you to have gone through that and then moved in this direction, Dulcinea, because I feel like you're not only just a daughter, but almost a granddaughter. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, I love that, and I feel so, so connected to the information that you present. It's as if there was a definite divine alignment for me. And I think for many in my generation who are seeking a leader like yourself to help give permission, validation, and understanding to these co-creative ideas. Right, exactly. Yes. That's, so That's exactly but, right. And we're, we're all of us who, I, I believe there's a type of humans who are sensitive to what's emergent, who have an evolutionary ear, like people have an ear for music or an ear, a capacity for mathematics, there is such a thing as an ear for evolution where you just are attracted to what's emergent in yourself and in the world. And that type is very turned on right now because we're facing a crisis sufficiently deep where the existing leadership in the top-down model can't lead. If you see like the United States Congress, here we have Barack Obama, who is an evolutionary man. You can see that. But he's now had to go into an obsolete oppositional system. And you could just watch how they're almost structured. Their social architecture of the Democrats and the Republicans are structured to oppose each other. And you talk about from evolution revolution it won't do to have a revolution and bring another power block on the top. The only real evolution is the connectivity of that which is emergent. But it is not in the existing systems. It's not in the academic, the political, the organized religion, the global corporations. 
but it's in the people. And it's probably true that Internet is a way that, like, well, just like this radio show. I'm just going to turn this phone off. This radio show is actually able to, um, you know, to, to connect how many people all over the world. Yes, yes, and it's unifying us. It's like knitting a network of consciousness. And, and this is not on uh, NBC News, but nonetheless, it is the news. <laughs> yes, yes, and we're hoping that one day we will be there. I will create well, that normative no, element. So you're a normative uh, you're a norma t- you're the new norm, Dulcinea. Yes, yes, we love that. That's so exciting. It's <laughs> <laughs> very hopeful. <laughs> so you really take the, the merging of spiritual, scientific, technological, political, and social concepts, you merge all these ideas and say that there's a synergy in them. How are we each responsible for co-creating that? Well, um, the, the visualization I have is a spiral of evolution formation of universe, earth, life, animal life, human life, and think of our turn on the spiral as another turn. And there's a core of the spiral running through the origin of the universe to you and me, and, the, and it's coming out of our center of our being as an impulse of evolution, an impulse of creativity. Now, if you look at our turn on the spiral and just put a real environment in there, here's Make it a matrix. Here's health, education, economics, science and technology, spirit, relation, energy, uh, governance, and so forth. You see it's a model of a whole system emergent. And it's not that we say we ought to innovate and transform. We are innovating and transform in small ways in every field. You know, because there's breakdown, like in the education system, there are innovations. There's breakdown in the healthcare system, there are innovations, and so on. And what I've seen is all those innovations are happening simultaneously. And if you look at them from an overview perspective, like the astronauts did, you will see they're all parts of a living system. But you can't see it if you're in the body. It's like if you were a cell in your body, you couldn't see your whole body. So this is called holoptical, holo-optical, seeing the whole from outside itself. And the astronauts did it for seeing planet Earth as a, as a, as a geographical, biological system. But they didn't see the people. They didn't see the systems. And I'm seeing the people and the systems as the next stage of the whole. Yes, when you spoke, when you were speaking the words of there's little um, breakdowns happening and then innovations occurring, and you said education and technology, you mentioned the different things, what I saw was a domino, um, clairvoyantly, was a domino reaction of light. So basically it was like light dominoes, mm-hmm. and they were sparking probably what a computer um, you know, board looks like. They were just sparking light flashes everywhere, and it was connected. It was mm-hmm. jumping together. So it was creating a network of light, and I also say the energy was building the energetic potential for mm-hmm. our next massive breakthrough. Absolutely, and I use the image of our crisis is at birth, because if you think of a baby built its systems in the womb, and then it's overgrowing its womb, and it goes through a very difficult period, and when it's first born, 
it actually doesn't know how to breathe. It doesn't know how to nurse or open its eyes or shift to renewable resources outside of its mother's body. But internally, its organism knows it. And there's a moment of panic there. And some babies go through it very gracefully and others really do panic and some actually die because they turn blue. They can't breathe what, if there's an obstruction. So our planet is like a newborn planetary organism in that it's hitting resource shortage, global warming, pollution, overpopulation. These are new signals. None of our institutions can handle the coordination of a whole planet. Therefore, those of us with these innovations and connectivities are called forth. And I really believe a new world is being born in our midst. Yes. What lessons can we take from the evolutionary past as we co-create this bigger, better, brighter future? Well, you can always see, first of all, that quantum transformations are nature's tradition, from pre-life to life, from animal to human. So you would expect that at a time of crisis, nature, either the species goes extinct or there's an innovation and transformation through greater connectivity of, of separate parts. So you get from cells to multi-cells to animals to humans. Now, I think we're in one of those jumps where the crisis is for, is the lesson is crisis precedes transformation and problems are evolutionary drivers. So instead of looking at all these problems we're facing as terrible mistakes, you will say evolution is pressing us forward. Uh, toward a higher order, a higher consciousness. And if we don't respond, we could actually destroy our civilization. There's no doubt now. We can see that. But I think the pressure of the problems is what's needed to have a collective awakening of human consciousness. Yes, it's like I think we, we're all experiencing that globally on a personal level. I think most of my clients are in that experience, and I think that my own personal experience is like that. It's like a crisis makes me go, all right, you need to grow and change. <laughs> Time and to move forward. It? And then you have to ask, what is it? Or yes. What is that crisis pressing me toward if you're taking it on a personal level, if you're depressed, if you're addicted, if you are in a, a financial challenge? What is it pushing me toward? Like so much of these really, really painful job loss and massive job loss and looking to the government and to unemployment is a very temporary solution. You can see it's going to force community. It's going to force localization. It's going to force alternative currencies. It's going to empower people and not to be so dependent on large structures that are not viable. You see, we're in a very great transition there, and without a crisis, nobody would would necessarily make that jump. That is so true, and I think that is very exciting. I think a lot of my early ideas um, in writing when I was living in the Redwoods were exactly around that idea. Of course, after I'd read your book, Conscious Evolution, but it, and it just elaborated on the idea that community is the future. Community is the future. If you look at the history of humanity, we had small tribal community for thousands of years. 
and then when it, the, the, as the historians tell us, when the written word came in and agricultural surplus, we we developed these larger systems which were top down. And the top-down model created a different form of intelligence, but it wasn't connected because you had the the bottom half, bottom part did not know what the top was doing, and there was control and domination, and actually created civilization. And then we began to hit in, I would say, in the last five years, you could see it that these top-down nation states, global corporations, big financiers can't handle the situations we're facing. So there's systemic breakdown. Yes. The systemic breakthrough has not yet fully emerged, and it's very much like a newborn baby. I think the systems are potentially there, but they're still young. They're still um, uh, you know, not fully utilized. I think I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I, I would like to say that my, my intuition is the reason these systems have broken down is they have over time disregarded human capital and its value. They've looked at financial value and that has superseded our human value like through employees and it's, you know, it's the people who actually produce whatever products or service that a company or corporation is or, or huge conglomerates are offering. And therefore, when you forget the people, it's inevitable failure. It's a, it's a negative intention or impure intention. You know, it's, it's very deep. I think that's and the monetary system is designed for scarcity. It's systemic. And then there's also greed and power and control in there. But if you have a system where more and more, fewer and fewer people are going to have more and more of the money, and there's an agenda in there where some people benefit from this, very few. And you could see these in, that's in the bankers. You could see them giving themselves hundreds of millions of dollars bonuses when their their companies were failing and their workers were being um, let out on the street. So selfishness cohered at the top of that in certain areas. But I think structurally, even without the, the selfishness, there was a structure in the monetary system. And my friends are telling me that we have to have a monetary system based on free currency, relo- re- relocalization, the rebuilding of community, and maybe that's not just because people were selfish. It's because a whole phase of evolution is coming in. Certainly, and it's like we all play our role. And I think that you know, to keep neutrality to the events that are, are occurring at, in the moment in the financial world and economic system here in the U.S. and, and globally, I, I think it's important to realize that everybody is playing their role and we are each you know, responsible for upholding what our individual role is, as you have, <laughs> leading um, conscious evolution. And hopefully, as I'm, I'm attempting to here with the media, an evolution revolution, so to not become victims of what's occurring, but to look at it as an opportunity to express your unique, divine, limitless self. <laughs> yes, and also to realize that evolution, in that sense, is actually moving toward higher synergistic order because it's been doing it for billions of years. So you feel the force of creation with you. You know, you feel the impulse, uh, the tendency in nature to take jumps at times of crisis. You feel that in yourself. So it's not like, oh, I'm working against the tide here. 
I really feel we're the new mainstream. Yes, and you know the new mainstream really is linked to the awakening of the 60s and how that that those events really created consciousness and catalyzed our evolutionary process that we're currently experiencing. Well, that's right. The 60s for me was like the birth of the universal humanity. And 60s, 70s, early 80s, and we had this huge consciousness burst. We had the awakening of women. We had the awakening of environmental movement, civil rights, human rights, futurism. And the forms of that were really not there yet. The, the forms of a new political system, a new economic, a new education system were hardly there. And now the people who are attempting to respond and build are much more mature. And the younger ones have grown up in knowing there's a crisis. You know, and the people your age or just coming into your adulthood and maturity have been, you've grown up in this situation. When I was 30, we didn't have a clue, not a single, single clue of what was coming. Mm-hmm. That's so true. We're very fortunate. I think it's the time acceleration does play a role in that awareness. And I think whenever you're born in the planetary life cycle, it makes a difference. So very if you're true. just 30 years old now, you were born much later in the planetary life cycle I was born in 1929, you see. So whatever age anyone was born, they're born into the uh, not only their personal age, but the age of the planetary evolution. That was our interconnectedness. And you, your generation and the ones now who are 12 and you know just, just barely coming into their, their uh, young adulthood are... Um, aware of the interconnectedness, of the challenges we're facing, of the dangers we're in, of the opportunities. They've seen it on TV. They're, I, I just got my 12-year-old granddaughter a little Mac book. Oh, yes. <laughs> a 12, she lives way up in an island in British Columbia, and my daughter is an environmentalist, Alex Morton, up there, and she's been protecting the, uh, the ecology from fish farms, and she's quite a pioneer. Well, my 12-year-old daughter, uh, their computer broke, so she, uh, that's my gift to her. And Alex, my daughter, said that this is not just a luxury for Cleo. This is, she does her homework, she does all her research, she gets all yes. the news. Now, what in the world does that do to the consciousness of a 12-year-old? Wow. Compared to a 12-year-old when I was growing up, it's it's phenomenal. so true. It is so true. I I actually work. I'm, this is so exciting to share with you. I work with a 14-year-old. She's in eighth grade. I love to work with youth in the communities, and she is an angel. She's teaching me um, who I am, and I'm teaching her who she is. But she keeps me so humble. It's like yesterday I said to her, "Well, we're going to do a PowerPoint presentation." which is you know, a real formal multimedia presentation that I learned in college. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to do that for your next book. And she goes, you know, I learned that in second grade. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, you get to teach me here. This is where I get to be the student too, so let's do it. <laughs> That's so amazing. Well, you know, I, I remember my son, who is now in his 40s, but he was 
having trouble finding out what to do. And he said, well, Mom, I've been to the bottom of the ocean. I've been to the moon. I've been around the world. I've been out in the galaxies. You know, they have. They've done it all. So then to find your way in that as your unique expression is really a new kind of challenge that our generation didn't even think of facing. Yes, and I really hope to be a catalyst to help lead youth uh, with my work in pioneering this to really reach out to youth and give them that permission to be who they are, you know, in their amazing self. And I'm working right now just with that one particular girl for a year now, and I'm actually seeing her confidence just 360. Uh, It's just amazing. So where where do you live, Dulcinea? In San Diego, in Carlsbad. I see. Well, this is wonderful. Well, I really, you know, I, when every time I talk to you, I feel you're such a wonderful. Hold on just a second, Dulcinea. I have to say something. You know what? While you're waiting for me, you could go into that place. We're speaking with Barbara Marks Hubbard. You can find her on the web at www.barbaramarkshubbard.com. Again, that's www.barbaramarkshubbard.com. You can also link up with her on the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. So, Barbara, are you back? Hello? We possibly... Okay. She's coming back here shortly. Okay, here you are. Haha, I just shared your web link with the audience. Yeah, I know. I just have to be worrying about dinner here. You're you're too cute. Haha, we enjoy you. Yes, all right. Okay, so so it's just really exciting to see, like you said, that when you were 12, thinking of, you know, yourself, um, yourself, expression and being able to offer that to the world was a distant a distant glow and for myself that was also the case although I think I started digging in consciously at age five and then 16 I actually went and took action for it but what I see with the generation I'm looking at now is the potential is sitting there it just has to be tapped it's all there the awareness is there I think you're in a, a perfect position to do this I mean I think you are you know, just just great, and because you have the whole thing, and people need to know that there is a world that's evolving here. Otherwise, yes. it's really hard to do. <laughs> yes, so true, so true. Well, we'll see how we can, you know, how I can bring this expression, and I'm just continually open to new um, ideas and co-creating, you know, a, a new opportunity, a new platform for the, for the next generation. Well, I think you can do that, Dulcinea. I really do. Yeah, hold on just a moment. I'm saying goodbye to some people here. Okay. okay. So right. we're speaking with Barbara Marks Hubbard, author of Conscious Evolution, Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential, also the author of Emergence, The Shift from Ego to Essence, Ten Steps to the Universal Human. You know, I want to tell you something. There is going to be on my website, you'll find it, a new process that's put on by a live guide for Emergence. And anybody who's interested in this work, particularly the deep spiritual part of it, if they go to com, starting, I think, on Monday, there's going to be a way to join spiritual community on conscious evolution. 
Very exciting. And they also can connect with your blog, which always has your information, your updates, where they can connect with you and all the new um, offerings, including what you've just mentioned. Yes, yes, that's really true. Great, great. So I'm really excited. I want to let people know that they can watch the DVD Humanity Ascending on your website for just a small fee of $4.95. Or mm-hmm. of course you can buy the DVD to have at home and share with others, which of course is optimal, for $24.95. So it's a great buy to really get all the information that you have accumulated and you meaningfully and artfully produce to share with others to really give permission and awareness. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Very, very exciting. So what is located at the core of the evolutionary spiral that sustains all of life? Well, it's a new word for God, really. It, it's the evolving aspect of the divine. It's consciousness force which has direction and seems to move to higher complexity. And it's felt inside as your own deepest attunement to the divine and your desire to express and grow and create and connect. So you become God in action. Wow. So how is this divine intelligence responsible for the miracle of life and how can we each embrace that to co-create our own experience? Well, I think the greatest mystery that the human mind really cannot fully comprehend, no matter who we are, is the mystery of the evolution of reality and the universe itself, the awesome genius of universal intelligence. It's not just planet Earth. It's, you know, it's the formation of energy and matter and billions and billions of galaxies and the explosions of supernovas and the formation of the very matter that forms our bodies and your 50 trillion cells talking to 50 trillion cells over the phone. Now, that is so awesome, so mysterious. Whether you're scientifically oriented, religiously oriented, or evolutionary, you are in the face of the most awesome creative intelligence. And the reality is it's you. It's coded as your whole biopsycho field. So although you can look at it from the outside and say it's such a mystery, it's actually the core of your being. It is you. It's amazing when we embrace the truth, how simple and clear it really is. Mm-hmm. Very, very evident through your work. Mm-hmm. So Thank you. It, yes, in the book, Conscious Evolution, Awakening to the Power of Our Social Potential, you share a beautiful um, caterpillar butterfly metamorphosis symbolism that is really relevant to what we each currently can experience within ourselves and as a larger humanity. Would you be willing to share that idea? Yes. Well, this is a story that is actually the way nature works. Apparently, when a caterpillar becomes a chrysalis and it's bloated and it it actually begins to just go beyond its own capacity to grow, internally there are these little imaginal disks that form and the imaginal discs are recognized as foreign and they're destroyed by the immune system of the caterpillar. And then they proliferate and become imaginal cells. And those cells often are killed, like we've seen assassinations of, or killings of totally extraordinary people like Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, 
Robert Kennedy earlier on, I mean, all the way back, Gandhi and Jesus and my God. Well, now what's happening is the people like you and me, Dulcinea, by the millions, are resonating and proliferating, and we are imaginal selves in the body of the social caterpillar. And we are finding each other so quickly now and connected through Internet that at some point the whole caterpillar system surrenders to its own evolution and the metamorphosis to the butterfly occurs. And I think that the vision of a co-creative universal humanity is the vision of the social butterfly and that every one of us who is an imaginal cell is holding an aspect of the societal butterfly. Yes. So what is the difference between genetic code and genius code? Well, genetic code obviously is the information system that for billions of years has been selected by nature so that you have a particular uh, information system when your mother and father's sperm and egg join, they join these codes and it has a unique uh, information system to build each of us. And it's coded information. You have blue eyes, you have brown eyes, you're tall, you're, you're short, you're, you look different. Everybody is completely unique in their genetic code. A genius code is the creative capacities of each person, the talents, the gifts. That's also unique for every person. But it's far more difficult for the genius code to be fully activated than the genetic code because the genetic code has taken billions of years from single cells all the way on up to us. Nature knows how to do that part. Nature in us has not fully learned to activate our genius code. It's currently probably in process. (laughs) Some people who get turned on to their life purpose, like you and me, activate more of our genius codes. Sure. Because each genius code is a unique expression of the creativity that's actually encoded in each of us. Like your particular gifts are different than my particular gifts, and they're God-given. I didn't give myself these gifts. Mm-hmm. So I, I think whatever anybody's genetic code is a gift and anybody's genius code is a gift, but to activate the genius code takes more conscious intention than it, to, I mean, to do the genius code, the genetic code. Sure. And then so how were Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, and other past masters how did they express their genius code and break through the core of the spiral? Well, you know, it's like saying, how did the first cell appear? How did the first multicellular uh, being occur? How did the first Australopithecus africanus? Sure. How did it? Nobody knows. It, it can't be explained by pure Darwinian uh, natural selection, genetic error, and mutation. You can't certainly can't explain the whole of universal evolution by that. So then you you can explain certain theories of how nature takes jumps, of how the dissipative structures evolve into more complexity, but that still is a reflection of a mystery. 
So I don't think it's possible to know exactly how that force of creation works. That's the mystery. And the mystery definitely keeps us in the process. I think if we had all the answers, we would be very bored. (laughs) Well, I don't think there's any worry about that. (laughs) So each of these masters really have the ability to manifest using their creative potential. And I think that they were um, glimpses of of our limitless potential. And I think that each of us today... Are, have that limitless potential within us. Would you agree with that? Yes. I think they were uh, early uh, forecasts of what's coming. And it's just like there's always early early versions of <clears throat> multicellular life and then it, it gets more coherent. More and more and more of us are breaking through to that core of the spiral, to that impulse of creation. And I think we can look back to those avatars and masters, but it's really more important to look within ourselves and toward the future. Sure, I I agree. I think of them as sort of um, creating a field in which the new humans can emerge as a new norm. So I don't have any label. You can't call me Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu. I am a universal human. That is very characteristic of, just to to try to help for understanding purposes to our listeners, what you've just spoken is that you um, you don't adhere necessarily to labels for the concept. That is a very, very uh, indicative characteristic of what we would call quote-unquote indigo energy within the evolutionary system. And I myself have that that same, um, what I would call concern, is to be categorized, boxed in, or labeled anything. But for understanding. For understanding purposes, it's helpful. But again, that brings me to my next point, is that quote-unquote indigos have been coming in, from my understanding, since the early 1920s, which actually you and Louise Hay are two pioneers that the world that are world-renowned, that people actually can tangibly see this indigo energy is, is has been a process. So in the 1920s, there was a percentage, and then in the 30s that percentage increased because evolution adapted to the idea of expressing this this um, indigo energy. And I think it continued, and the, the latest stats that I read were um, in Jan, Lee Tober and Jan Carroll's book with 95% of children today are characterized as carrying that indigo energy. 95%, which, my goodness. That's what they have written, and so that's why I'm quoting who says, their... Who said, who said that? Um, Lee Tober and Jan Carroll, they wrote the Indigo. I have the link up on my site, mm-hmm. and it would be theindigochildren.com. And they're, um, he, he's the uh, Cryon. He's the author of the Cryon series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he, he does some channeling. And, and I think what they did was just really, what they did is they took all the experts who had ever written about Indigo children, and they personally didn't really write the book. They just allowed the experts to bring their unique facet mm-hmm. of Indigo concepts so reading their book is actually quite empowering because they took a universal approach to a, an idea that doesn't want to be labeled. <laughs> I, I think you might, might really see it as the evolution of our species. Absolutely. I think that's the big picture, is we are transforming and changing for the better. <laughs> Why would, you know, if you look at Homo habilis, Homo erectus, Homo neanderthal, Homo sapiens, Homo sapiens sapiens, why would you expect it to stop here? Well, it isn't. Of course not. 
and it isn't stopping. And I think maybe those great avatars were early versions of the new universal human, but they got dogmatized because almost nobody else could be like them. And they, you know, like they were saying, the only son of God. Well, the the fact is, it's in all of us. (laughs) That's the big thing. That was my question at five years old to my mom. How could God discriminate? (laughs) Oh, that's a good one, yes. Well, he doesn't. It it doesn't. But what I think is is so is there's difference in levels of awareness of of this potential. And people like yourself, Delsony, and doing this radio show, it awakens in anyone who listens a certain awareness that this is already so. It's not like we're making this up. But it does make a difference to have models of people who know this, have models of people who communicate it in their own way. It's very important. Yeah. When I was your age, I had never met anybody like me, not one. And so I thought I was neurotic. But now they're everywhere. <laughs> yes, yes. You get to see them flourish, and you're very validated through that. Yes, indeed. That is very, very fortunate. What a, what a great human experience. <laughs> it is. It's wonderful to have lived long enough to see what you envisioned happening. Wow. I see a lotus flower. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's great stuff. This is an exciting night. We're speaking with Barbara Marks Hubbard, author of Conscious Evolution and Emergence, also producer of Humanity Ascending, A New Way Through Together. So Barbara, what can we expect from you in the next in the next few months or years? What's up and coming for you? Well, you can expect my new DVD, Visions of a Universal Humanity, that's going to put forward uh, a shared vision of the next stage of human evolution. And with that, you can expect from me uh, a whole new audio series of the story of conscious evolution and how my life has been a discovery process of embodying conscious evolution, including uh, an experience of an evolutionary Christ, an experience of the evolution of the Old Testament God from an abusive God to a redeemed God and the next stage of the peace room such that by 2012 we will have a planetary synchronization of consciousness and creativity, and you can expect from me to be one of the pioneers working toward that. Very, very exciting. Well, we definitely, I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and we'd love to always have you come and share all of your your insight and your new understandings and awareness. We, we appreciate your catalytic nature to this human process. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Delcinia. Yes, it's very exciting. And let me know if you're interested in, in working with um, any of the youth projects. I'll keep in touch with you about that because since we have yes. this understanding, very fun. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you. Yes, you can find Barbara on the web at www.barbaramarkshubbard.com. Human beings are energetic beings that are divinely synchronized with the force fields of the planet and the infinite galaxy. This inherent connection to the natural forces and universal laws of creation offer infinite, limitless possibilities to co-create a most prosperous, optimal outcome for the larger humanity. 
the possibilities to manifest a brighter, bigger, and better future within your individual life and for the larger whole offers hope for all on this most delicate planet. Embrace your inner divine power and consider how you can express yourself in a way that balances your heart and serves the larger for the higher good of all. And remember, miracles hold unknown possibilities. Your role is to believe. Next week on March 19th, Karen Anderson will appear with her book release, Hear All Creatures, based on her experience as an animal communicator in her first time release. Please be sure to join us for a most divine experience with the spirits of the animals. On March 26th, Carol Obley will be back, and on April 2nd, Neil Donna Walsh will return. Coming up on April 9th, Dr. Amit Goswami will be back, and on April 16th, Janine Kimmel and Amber Hinton will be here. Coming up on April 23rd, you can expect Dr. Teresa Martin and Dr. Christina Madar from the School of Metaphysics. And on April 30th, Lee Gerds with his Limitless You book. Coming up on May 7th, Patricia Bish. And on May 14th, we have Ruth Probst. Coming up on May 21st, Laura Hansen. And on May 28th, we have Whitney Frey. Coming up on June 4th, we'll be back with Barbara Hanklau. And on June 25th, we'll be speaking with Matt Zoe. On July 9th, Dr. Stephen Farmer will be returning with his latest deck of oracle cards. And on August 27th, we'll be speaking with Dr. David Fitzbertelli. And on September 10th, we'll be back with Peggy McCall with her new upcoming release, The One Thing. You can purchase all the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or link up to their individual websites. Through the Evolution Revolution homepage, at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution for some exciting guests and uplifting inspiration which can be further explored under the upcoming guests on the homepage. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage and the Radio Archives 2007-2008 tab within the website. And of course, all episodes are available for free in the iTunes Store by searching Evolution Revolution Podcast. The archive shows are available 24 hours a day to listen to for inspiration at no charge and include amazing talent such as Stephen Lewis, Dr. Eric Pearl, Egan Sanders, Ariel Ford, Peggy McCall, Richard Lawrence, Barbara Hanklau, Dr. Amit Goswami, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Chrissy and Gary Blaze, Gary Zukoff and Linda Francis, Neil Donald Walsh, Charles Virtue, and more. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I'm a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings and teleclasses via phone, allowing me to connect with people anywhere please visit my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com under the Services and Events page, which will include client testimonials and a wealth of information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you're interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore more on the website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. 
I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining the show this evening with my honored guest, Barbara Marks Hubbard. Thank you so kindly for your expertise and your time tonight, Barbara. It's great to have a full hour with you. (laughs) Yes. Goodbye, everybody. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant, heavenly love, including peace, joy, abundance, gratitude, today and always. Abundant miracles. Good night.